Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. It's uh, Missions Emphasis Month, and so one of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to be continuing to share stories. Each week you hear stories of folks like but also local stories. Um, and through our um, Sunday gatherings, one of the things we are going to focus on, and I'd say maybe even refocus on, is the message of Jesus. Because the message of Jesus is why we're in this building this morning. The message of Jesus changes things. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be messengers of this, to carry the message of Jesus and to be reminded of ourselves. This morning, I want to start by um, reminding, being reminded, all of us, the importance of preaching the gospel to ourselves, to, to revisiting this message ourselves. Um, you know, for my family, um, my grandparents on either side of my family were not churchgoers. Um, they were not faithful Christians. And my, it was both of my parents, before they met each other, um, coming to know Jesus through kind of this crazy social movement that was happening in the United States. Some of you are around during this social movement. It was the 60s and 70s. And there was a counterculture movement going on, and there was a civil rights movement going on, and there was this general kind of unrest in the culture and society that was pushing back against all of the things that were accepted as normal. And so for, for, for my dad and for my mom, they were looking at kind of the, the, the values of their parents, and they were saying, I don't know if those are fulfilling values. And so I'm going to I'm going to push back against those values. The idea of fidelity in marriage, right? The idea of abstaining from alcohol and drugs. The idea of really kind of any barriers or borders, they were just being obliterated by this counterculture movement. Uh, Many of these people were called at this time hippies. How many of you here were a hippie? Come on now. Okay, there's a couple. There's a couple. Y- y- y'all are getting older now. But they were the cool kids at the time. They were, they were ones that were like, hey, it's normal. It's acceptable culturally to, to, to cut our hair, for men to have their hair a certain length, and for women to dress a certain way. And guess what? We're not going to do that anymore. We're gonna, dudes are going to grow their hair long. We're not even going to wear shoes. Like, there was all of these things. Like, anything that was, like, kind of standard societal culture was, like, pushed back against. And to a certain degree, we're seeing some of that today, aren't we? Uh, definitions are being changed uh, about all sorts of things. And so this is the, this is the movement uh, that was happening in the culture. But with any movement, it can't start without a message. Like, there has to be a why behind it. There has to be, there's words that are associated with this. And so the counterculture even developed their own language, their own phrases, and you could tell who was part of it just by the way they talk, man. It's groovy, dude. They developed this, but it was all based on this underlying message that what was, what, how we were living before is, is not how we want to live. That there's no limits, no boundaries, everything is open. So that was one movement, right? And then Concurrently, you had the civil rights movement, which was essentially doing a similar thing, but they were saying how people have been treated in this country for generations is no longer acceptable. And so there was a pushback against, again, societal norms that were evil in that case. And so both of these movements were happening concurrently at the same time. 
With the counterculture movement, the one that influenced my family's life, they, they lived this out. They, they had sex whoever they wanted to have sex with. They had took any drugs they wanted to, to take. They didn't need to work if they didn't feel like it. As the years went by, they were saying, well, where is this leading us? Where is this message taking us? And the reality is that nobody knew. Nobody knew what the ultimate destination was. And at a certain point, many, many, many people that have been swept up in this new message, swept up in this kind of cultural, social movement, went, wait a second, it's not working. It's not, it's not, it's not making me feel any better than my parents' generation felt. It's not filling my heart with anything more than, than my parents had. What is, what is going on here? And then something happened in the mid to late 60s. Another movement started. And this was called the Jesus People Movement. Where many of these people who had thrown off all the boundaries of culture and society, they went, we we need a different message. We need a message that is taking us somewhere as opposed to taking us nowhere. And so that was the message that my parents heard. It was the gospel message. It was the news about Jesus. This Jesus they had kind of heard about from their parents who occasionally went to church, like on Christmas and Easter, but they'd never seen modeled or demonstrated. They'd never waded into to the depth of who Jesus was and what he was really about. So thousands and thousands of young people heard the message of Jesus, and they walked to church one day, many of them, for the first time, without shoes on, with their hair long, with marijuana in their pocket. (laughs) And they said, we want to learn more about this Jesus. And as they heard the message, things began to change. So I'm a product of that. I grew up in a, in a church that was literally started by a bunch of hippies that traded in their marijuana and brought in their guitars to church and began to write songs themselves because they didn't know the hymns. My dad was a part of that movement. At a young age, I grew up in this kind of crazy Jesus people church. And at a young age, uh, I received Jesus into my heart. I prayed the prayer that like so many people were praying during that time. And I remember at age seven, we were, our church was at a river and there was baptisms. And somebody said, hey, Andrew, do you want to be baptized? And I was like, sure, it's a summer day. Why not? You know, seven years old, I was baptized. I heard the message. I knew the message. I, I was immersed in it. You, you've heard this t- too. So many people have. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So at a young age, I I knew this as well as a six or seven-year-old could know it. But like anything we've heard over and over again, we need to be reminded of it. What what does it really mean? How does the message of Jesus affect my life? Does it affect my life? And so I went from the age of six and middle school and high school, and it began to kind of get minimized. It was part of the culture of my life, and it was it was something, yeah, sure, I was a Christian, but I was also a San Francisco Giants baseball fan and a kid who grew up in the northwest corner of California. Like, it was just another aspect of kind of who I was, of my culture. I began to lose, in a sense, kind of the, the power and the weight of the gospel. In the age of 18, I went through a major crisis in my life where I renewed my faith. And I would say my faith really became my own in that moment. And let's be honest, that renewal keeps happening over and over 
and over again. To a certain extent, every day, there's a renewal in my faith where I get to choose whether I believe the good news of Jesus and let it, let it, it be the message that points me to a destination or any other competing voice, any other competing message. I can choose to believe it if I want instead. And the truth is, at times, I just sometimes forget it, forget the message of Jesus. The, there's this song, um, Come Thou Fount. It's an old hymn. Again, my church didn't grow up singing hymns. They were singing music they were just making up. But the, the line in this song is one that I feel and have felt for so many times in my life. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. How many of us feel that, right? We're prone to that. We're, we're, we're susceptible to just go, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I know the message. I know what church is about, and we just kind of wander out of it, and we forget about the message. So God, in his mercy from, in my life, has pursued me, and he's woken me up when I do fall into that. And it's here I can relate to um, the psalmist David, where he says this, when I wake up and I realize, oh, I've, I've wandered from Jesus, I've forgotten his message, these words resonate with me from, from Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Instead, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And that's what we feel sometimes when we realize we've wandered away from Jesus. We're like, oh no, he's removed himself from us. But it's really, it's us that have removed ourselves from him. It's us that have forgotten, us that are prone to wander. And so this morning, I want to just push us in with our last few minutes together to the message, the message that we as Christians still need to hear. And so the first question is, do you believe that? <laughs> do you believe that you still need to hear the gospel message? I was talking to a friend recently, and, and um, sometimes it's easy when you go to church and, and there's these key words, right, in church and culture, the gospel, faithfulness, forgiveness, grace, and we hear it and we just tune out. Because we tell ourselves, oh, I know that already. <laughs> I know what grace is. I know what the gospel is. Because we've heard it so many times. But do we really? And so the first question we need to ask is, do we believe that we still need the gospel? The good news of Jesus. The message of Jesus is primarily a message of love. John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world. But in the English language, this word love is so loaded. We love, you know, five guys cheeseburgers and we love our mom, right? Clearly there's a difference of loves. For God so loved the world. Yeah, I've heard it before. I haven't seen this recently, but it used to be really common in football games that some dude would be sitting behind the goalposts with John 3.16. So when the camera of the TV showed, it would be on there, right? Like we know this verse. But do we know what love really is? John 3, so John 3.16 says, you know, 1 John 3.16 also says something. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So 
The Bible doesn't just say love as if it's some sort of feeling that you feel, but the Bible then gives us a picture of what love is, what God's love looks like, that he would come into our space and that he would lay down his life for us so that we might know him, so that we might be forgiven and reunited. Think about love in your life. Think about the love you take for granted. This week, I spent the entire um, Monday through Friday with my dad in his hospital room as I was seeing his life fade. And you know what we said over and over and over to each other? I love you. Friday, when I left him, he was being transported home to hospice care. I said, I love you, Dad. And he hadn't been able to talk much the previous days, and he was able to say, I love you too. And then I could see him trying to say some other words. And I said, Dad, there's nothing more that needs to be said. And then he said, amen. How do we know what love is? We experience it. We see it. It's in action in our lives. And you know what? We, we need to be reminded of it, too, all the time. <laughs> and that's why we have things like birthdays, right? To remember the joyfulness of somebody being born and our love and care for them. Anniversaries, even made-up uh, card holidays like Valentine's, which is coming next week, right? It's still oriented around, it's a reminder of love. And so we also give tokens of our love that show it. We give cards, and we give gifts, and we give flowers. Like, love is important so much so that we orient our lives about remembering love. My wife and I, this year, we were just just this week talking about we're going to be married 20 years in July. We're like, what are we going to (laughs) do? What are we going to do to celebrate this love, these two decades together? So everyone needs a reminder of love. And so this is one reason that we who believe in Jesus still need to hear the message of Jesus. Just like our spouses, when they say it to us, we don't, it never gets old, does it? We need to hear it over and over. This is why our kids, they need it to be told constantly by parents that they love. And when we doubt, when we're afraid, when we need hope in our lives, the message of Jesus reorients us and is rooted in love. So let me ask these two questions. When did you first hear and receive the message of Jesus? Was it like me where you were kind of born into it? It's just a natural part of your life? Or is there a distinct moment where you went, oh, this is real. I've never heard this before. When did you first receive the message of Jesus? follow-up question. What did it change in you, in your family, in your life? When we read the Bible, we see the message of Jesus as he was going about his life. We see people receive it, and we see it change them. Jesus talked to a sexually promiscuous woman who received the message of, of Jesus, the good news, in the middle of the day at a well. And it reoriented her whole world. This woman who had shame and who had lived in an improper way socially and religiously, she, she ran from that encounter with Jesus and began to tell others about this message that she had heard. 
We see in scriptures, we see a a corrupt tax collector receive the message of Jesus at dinner at his house. He invited Jesus, actually Jesus invited himself over, if you know the story of Zacchaeus. And, And when Zacchaeus heard this message, somebody who was despised by so many people in his city for being corrupt, when Zacchaeus heard this message and he received the message of Jesus, it changed him. His response was, you know what I'm going to do, Jesus? Because of what you're giving me, I'm going to make things right with people that I've wronged. So he received it there in his home, and then it changed him. We see an enemy of the church who is literally having church members killed. We see him get knocked off his horse, blinded, and then he hears the message of Jesus. This would be Paul. And this change in him results in him becoming the greatest missionary of all time. One who killed the followers of Jesus now is leading people to faith in Jesus. My dad, my hippie dad, driving literally, this is not a caricature, even though it sounds like it, driving in a VW bus <laughs> in the early 1970s, heard Jesus speak to him, pulled off on the side of the road, burst into tears, and gave his life to Jesus on the side of the stinking road. Far too often, people lose the power of the message because they've forgotten how they came to hear it in the first place. And so the experiences become distant memories. The the relationship between us and God becomes transactional. Like, oh, if I do this, then God will do this for me. And And like far too many of our Bibles, the message of Jesus becomes a thing instead of the thing. And so we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded, as as Paul says in Ephesians, the same man who persecuted Christians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. When the message comes, it's nothing, nothing you did to make it come to you. It was the gift of God. He wanted you to hear it. He wanted you to know his love. He wanted to give you a destination and a purpose in your life. And so this is the truth about the message of Jesus that we need to be reminded of. And this truth is a good thing. Everything about our present and about our future life is a gift from God. So let me ask this question. What was it about the message of Jesus that compelled you to respond to it. Again, I grew up in the church, and so I just kind of like, yeah, sounds good. Why not? Everybody else believes it. (laughs) Sounds like a good guy. It was later in my life at a crisis when I felt compelled to again revisit that message and go, hmm, is it still good? Does it really matter? Is this really the path that I want to take in my life? This way of Jesus living. Maybe you didn't have a dramatic experience. Maybe one day you finally just said yes. But there's still a why behind that. I have one friend who said, you know what? After considering all the other options, (laughs) I just thought Jesus is the most compelling one. (laughs) To me, it just made sense. And you know, for him, a smart dude, went to 
very prestigious college, thought analytically. He just started kind of crossing things off and going, Jesus is it. I found Jesus. For me, it's like, well, there's no emotions. There was no like, aha moment. No. The message of Jesus was just the most compelling thing I've ever heard. And so I'm, I've oriented my life around him. This, this kind of resonates with Psalm 113. Maybe some of you can re- relate to this. Uh, I don't have it on there. I'll read it to you. Psalm 113 says, Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Essentially, David's on. There's, there's nobody that compares. Who is like him? Then he goes on to say, well, let's worship him then. Let's orient our lives around him. That's what worship is. Who is like our God? For me personally, I've wrestled with doubts and wanderings, but ultimately the truth of Jesus is just impossible for me to ignore or discredit. I can't go, I don't hear it anymore. I just can't do that. I've tried though. Oh man, I've tried. But I can't ignore it. And so this is why for me, my life verse, does anybody have like a life verse like, oh, this is my one? My life verse isn't from the Psalms or from one of the letters to the churches. My life passage, really, it's this little episode in John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching. He's delivering a message. But it's a message that, that compels people to reorient their lives to him. And people just don't want to do it. And so what do they say? They go, this message is too difficult. In other words, we can't believe you. <laughs> and so they, hundreds and hundreds of people, it says, leave him. They're like, we're done with Jesus. And Jesus turns to his disciples, the ones that have been walking with him for a bit at this point. And he goes, are you going to leave too? <laughs> and they say, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. That's my life verse. Like, it's difficult at times. And I, don't, I, I wonder why he's quiet or why he doesn't intervene in this particular situation but I can't leave him. I don't have anywhere else to go. Only Jesus has the words of life. Only Jesus can speak a purpose to me that reorients my life continually, but also creates a foundation to process everything that I'm going through. Whether it's my dad's health or, or friends that are going through times or tragedies in this world, it's the message of Jesus that I continually come back to. So, Here's what I want to encourage each of us to do, to not just remember the message of Jesus, but to preach the gospel to yourself. I'm just one dude that literally has the same wrestling and doubts and pains as you. God has called me to be a pastor, but that doesn't mean I have it all together. We all need to be preaching to ourselves daily. Don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait for somebody else to bring it up to you. You know, when we say the word gospel, what we're talking about is the message of Jesus. Gospel is actually an old English word. It means good spell or good talk. And it's been kind of carried over in our modern translations. It's like a shorthand for the message of Jesus. But it's pretty stinking close to the original word that you would have heard on the streets in Jerusalem when Jesus was around. That word would be euangelion, which means Good news. Whenever you see the word gospel in the Bible, the original word behind that's being translated is euangelion, good news. This is the message of Jesus that we have heard, and it's the message we still need 
to hear today. So before we talk about missions and going out and sharing with our neighbors, which we need to do, they need to hear it. We need to make sure that we're preaching it to ourselves. So let me encourage you to do just that. Preaching the gospel to ourselves, it it directs us to return to Jesus for forgiveness and restoration and empowerment and purpose. When we preach the gospel to ourselves, we are answering doubts and fears that we have with the promises of God. Do my sins condemn me? Well, Jesus has covered them all by his sacrifice. Do my best efforts seem to always fall short? Well, Jesus' righteousness is counted as my righteousness. Are the world, the devil, and my own flesh, are they working against me? Well, the Bible says that not even one hair of my head can fall apart from the will of Father, the Father in heaven. And he has promised to care and keep me forever. Can I really deny myself, carry my cross, and follow Jesus? Yes, because God is at work in me, and he who began a good work is faithful and will bring it to completion. It's Philippians chapter 1. So this is what it looks like to preach to ourselves. When these questions come, we go back to the message of Jesus, and they're answered again and again and again. And they continue to orient us in the right direction towards the goodness of God. Most of us need to rediscover the gospel. And a recovery for us of this gospel is needed daily. Because the message that Jesus speaks to intersects with the needs that we have today still. And our hearts are prone to wander But gospel recovery only really happens in our lives when we also still feel the weight of our sins and the weakness of our flesh and the frailty of our faith. When we come limping in on Sundays, that's when we're ready to hear the gospel again. And so this means that only those who know themselves to be unworthy of it, we didn't earn it, to be sinners, to be in need of a Savior, only those types of people We'll hear God's word and know it to be true. We'll find the gospel to not only be good news, but good news for their very souls. So it's in this revelation of understanding who we are and who God is that Jesus meets us, not just once, but every day that we let his message reign in our lives. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell, like live (laughs) in you, richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's what we did this morning. That's what we do every Sunday. Singing in church is not just like, oh, that's the religious thing you do. We're practicing this. We're practicing a proclamation of the gospel when we sing together, when we encourage each other towards love and good deeds. So let us do that, church. Let us preach the gospel to ourselves daily and to each other regularly. And out of that gospel message, we will find the true love of Jesus every single day that we do it. And it will renew our hearts. It will give us strength when we're weak. And it will point us to a destination, a destination that we can hope for now and we know will come to fruition fully and completely when Jesus returns. Amen.
So I want to pray for us to this end this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we need this. We need you. Soften our hearts when we, when we think we're so prideful that we have it all together. Reorient us to your love. Lord, may, may our gatherings be that reminder, but may it be more than that, Father. May you remind us on Monday morning when the doubts come in. May you remind us on Wednesday afternoon when we're tired from the week. May you remind us on Friday when we're ready to just let it all go. Father, may your message dwell in us richly. And Father, out of that message, may you restore our hearts. May you give us what we need in the moment. And out of that love, Father, may we give it to others. May we be messengers of your gospel. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time and place to be reminded of these things. Would you go before us in the days ahead? In Jesus' name we pray. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.